We're continuing a series that we've called This Is Us. If you've seen the TV show, you know it's about complex people who've been shaped by complex forces. That's you and me. That's our story too. Uh, Forces have flowed into our lives. We'll put a list on the screen so you get an understanding what that's like. And they have shaped many times our understanding of what normal is. And we go about our lives living out these normal things that we think make sense without ever exposing it to what God has to say. One of the things that gets shaped in our lives by these forces is what and how we fear. What and how we fear. Now fear, man, it's such a broad topic. It could be as big as somebody fears death, and it could be as small as a deathly fear of spiders. I wondered, if we could make the service more memorable <laughs> by, by opening a box of small, they're small spiders, right? And then throwing them into the crowd. I wondered how that would go. I kind of have an idea how that would go because um, we went on a mission trip with a big, strong, tough construction guy and there was a point in the, the project where somebody had to go into the crawl space underneath the home, and he had the skills to do the job. And as he started under the crawl space, the sounds that came out of him when he saw a spider were surprising, right? What he should have been afraid of was that everybody would find out what he feared. Because as soon as they did, they gave him a hard time the whole time we were there. And even after we came back, people were buying those big, fake plastic spiders and putting them on his table when he wasn't looking here at Waypoint. He didn't think it was funny. But I thought, maybe I could throw these out because they're small and I could explain to you... all you, ha- all you have to do, <clears throat> problem solved, right? But the people who are afraid of spiders, they won't even take off their shoe and hit them, right? They, they run, or if they do, it's not gonna go well. Like the spider could be on a window. If they've taken off their shoe, they're going through the window to kill that spider. And if you point out that was a mistake, the only thing they care about is, is the spider dead? Yes, and there's a hole in your window. No, no spiders. Like, we're not going to do that. But, but fear, it's, it's that small as a spider. And it's, man, it's big stuff that shows up in our lives. Stuff like, we fear failing. We fear what that failing might say about us to other people. We fear conflict with each other. We're afraid that we'll get into an accident. We're afraid that our parenting won't be good enough and that we'll be bad at it and our kids will turn out bad. We have these fears about all of that. We're afraid that we'll end up alone. We won't find the right person today, won't find the right person to marry and that we'll be by ourselves, and we carry that as a weight. Some of us carry the fear of declining health. You see it coming, 
Others of us, we fear that people will figure out we're not perfect. I mean, you know you're not perfect, but you don't want everybody else to know you're not perfect. You don't want them to come to your house before you've made it perfect, right? And it, you actually carry that as a fear inside you. Have you ever considered that maybe some of the fear that you carry, some of the stuff that shows up into your life, has been placed there by some forces that have convinced you what you fear is normal, that it's, that it's okay. In the show, This Is Us, one of the characters' name is Kate, and she's finally come to a place where she's decided she's gonna lose some weight, and she actually goes away to a camp. And there's a scene where she goes to a, a unique exercise uh, class, and the guy knows that there's more going on inside the people who are there than just the desire to lose weight. And so he's asking a question, why are you here? And he starts yelling out reasons that they might be there. I want you to listen to the reasons he yells out. And I want you to watch how Kate responds to that. Um, and then we'll talk about it. Let's watch this. Welcome. Join us. Here we go, guys. Climb the rhythm. There it is. Find that rhythm, guys. What's causing you to move? Huh? Why are you here? Is it guilt? Is it rage? Is it sadness? Is it fear? Maybe it's loneliness. Whatever it is. I want it to flow through your hands, and I want you to let it out. All right? Let it all out. Pounding! shook her head no because Kate's life is full of fear. She's afraid she can't lose the weight. She's afraid if she doesn't, she's not going to be able to accomplish the dreams that she has in mind for her life. She's afraid she can never measure up to her mother's expectations. She's afraid she can never have the kind of relationship that she had with her dad that's been lost. Her life is full of fear. And I don't think Kate's alone. 
It's one of the reasons we kind of slated this weekend. We, we knew this was a big issue for a lot of people. And, and months ago, I put this in place, and I had in my mind months ago how I was going to talk about this. Uh, I've grown up hearing sermons on it. I've, I've, um, I've given them myself. If you listen to uh, the way our culture talks about this, the Christian culture anyway, uh, I chose the song that we played this morning, Fear is a Liar, because I knew where I was going with this. There's another popular song on the radio right now that uh, Fear Has No Place Here, you'll, uh, you'll hear it. There's two big songs being played on Christian radio right now about this topic. And, um, and basically, uh, where we've ended up talking about fear is that fear always breaks bad. It always breaks. If fear shows up in your life, it's always gonna fall onto the side of being a bad thing. And th there's no value in it whatsoever. And that's what I was preparing to talk to you about. And, and then I, I got into the text and stuff that I thought it said, it didn't say. And I found other things that didn't seem to line up with that picture. And now I, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that that's true. And this morning, I'm, I'm gonna try to take you in a different direction because here's, here's what I believe right now. I think fear can be a liar. Some of the stuff in that song that they talked about, the lies that you would receive, dead on, straight up. But sometimes, fear tells you the truth. And if you're willing to pay attention to that, there could actually be something positive that comes out of that. Now, I'm saying this because I now believe that there are two different types of fear. Two. One, um, I'm going to call legitimate fear. It's, it's all legit. And the other one is illegitimate. And immediately you may think, okay, if he's saying there's a legitimate fear, he really is going off the deep end here because nobody has ever said that it would be okay for you to hold some fear, like for it would be okay for your life to have some. Why in the world, Blair, would you ever say this might be an okay thing to have? <sighs> because it seems to show up in Paul's life that way. And I want to take you to it. In 2 Corinthians, he's writing about his life in chapter 11. He's telling people what he's been through and the weight of what's on his mind right now. This is the kind of stuff I'm thinking about. It's in my gut. And in verse 28, he says this, besides everything else, which means he's referring to something that he wrote about before this. And it is, it's a long section where he starts going through all the stuff that he's been through. Prisons, flogging, stoning. I don't know, what do you think when you see that list? I think, I don't want to party with that guy. That's not going to turn out well. That's his life. And, and Paul had experienced all of that. And he, and he didn't enjoy it. It was on his mind. He was just recounting, this is what I've gone through for the sake of Jesus. And besides all of these things, something else is on my mind too. So it's not all. There's more. He says this, besides everything else, all of that stuff, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. That word concern that you see there could be translated worry, 
could easily have been translated fearfulness. I have fearfulness for the churches. He planted a bunch of churches and he's walking around. How often does he feel this pressure of fearfulness? Daily. Now we have two choices. Either we conclude that Paul is revealing that he's got something going on in his life that he hasn't conquered yet. Like it's a problem and he's admitting, he's confessing, I've got some issues, I've got some pent up fear, I'm just letting you know. Or something else is going on. And the way this is written in here, something else is going on. And here's what I think it is. Fear is a normal emotional response by people like you and me. God, God made you in his image, which means you're emotional people, and one of the emotions that you sometimes experience is fear. And sometimes that fear is legitimate. Let, I want to I call it a different word to help you understand it. It's a vigilant fear. It's something that causes you to watch out, uh, protect yourself from, be wise about sort of thing. A vigilant fear is why you lock your car doors in your house. It's why you grab the hand of your kid when you're walking down the street. We were out walking with our grandson last night, and um, he was watching a herd of sheep. And we thought, no big deal, until he decided that it would be more fun to be with them than us. And he got down, and we're like, is he just trying to look at him? And before he started getting into the... And by the time I got there, his ankles were all that was left. I grabbed his ankles and I pulled them out from underneath the fence. It was funny until I saw on the second row up, they had run an electric fence on the inside of that fence. He easily could have stood up and hit that. Vigilant fear. It's okay to go grab his ankles and drag him out of there because you feel a little fear. It's why you don't walk down a dark alley. It's why you don't jump off a bridge when all of your friends do, right? Vigilant fear is pretty handy. It, it, can be, it can be this thing that helps you make wise decisions. But if there's a legitimate fear that's about vigilance, there's another kind of fear, an illegitimate fear that's unfounded. It's, there's no logic to it. All it is is you're full of emotion. You feel that sense of fear, and that's all that's there. And it doesn't matter, doesn't matter, it doesn't matter that the spider's small and you can do this, you still feel it, uh, fear it. Let me give you this example and let's, let's talk about, I know some of you fear this so don't come and talk to me afterwards, I get it, I'm just using this as an example, okay? There are some people who are afraid of flying, right? Um, not simply jumping off something without, I mean, even the big bird, they're not willing to get into that. But here's the facts. I'm just going to give you the facts. This is per incident based on 100 million miles traveled. Okay? So in 100 million miles traveled, there's one in 114 chances that you'll die. It's pretty low. And it's why you jump in your car and you drive everywhere and it never even crosses your mind. But if you were to get on a plane, one in every 100 million miles traveled, you would be one in 9,821 chances that you would die. And yet, I run into more people who are deathly afraid of getting on a plane and think nothing about getting in a car. Why? 
Because it's not, it's not based on a sense of logic. It's just based on the emotion that they feel. They're like, no, no, it's logic. There's a really big thing that's up in the air. It doesn't belong there. I shouldn't be on it. Okay, but, but I'm just saying, here are the facts. Now, it's, it's funny when it's a plane, but these unfounded fears, they make it into our lives in lots of different ways. They show up in our relationships where we think things about somebody else or the way they're gonna do it. And that fear drives us to make bad choices and bad decisions. Now here's what's interesting. Both of these legitimate and illegitimate fears, they have the same two motivations that drive them. It's really helpful for me to understand this. And, I, and maybe it's gonna be surprising to you what the motivations are. The first motivation that drives our fear is love. We love somebody, so we wanna protect them. We're passionate about a project, so we don't wanna fail. There, there's a love element in it. It's why you see in Paul's writing, he had a concern for the churches. Why? Why did he have fearfulness? Because he loved those people. He wanted to see them follow Jesus and, and really live for him in a unique way, but he knew the kind of culture that they were living in was gonna be hard. And so out of love for them, he had a sense of fearfulness. So there's love that happens. And then the second motivation is self-protection. And it's not always bad. It's, it's why you make decisions, wise choices about not to do that sort of thing. We see this in the case of Paul when he says, besides everything else that I was concerned about, I'm concerned about getting flogged, which seems pretty logical to me. In fact, if Paul was writing in a way that said, and I'm really looking forward to my next flogging, I can't wait, we would think something was wrong with him because something would have to be wrong with you to, to like seek that out. But Paul, because he had like some self-protection, knew that it was wise for him to avoid that. Now, now listen, I've used positive examples from Paul, but let me give you a silly negative example. Um, a negative example of somebody who's motivated by love is a stalker, right? They, they love this person and don't wanna lose the relationship that they don't have, right? If they had the relationship, they wouldn't be sneaking through the bushes and tracking you and not actually talking to the person. They don't have a relationship, but they think they have a relationship. It's unfounded, and so it ends up being messed up. Now, here's the thing. If, if you agree with me, um, based on what, what we've just looked at right here, there's legitimate and illegitimate fears. The love, big factor, if you'll think about your fear, I think you'll find this is true, and self-protection is another one. Then the question that I had, and maybe it's the same one you're gonna have, is what do we do with all the rest of the scripture that we see on this issue? Because over and over and over again, it seems to be made clear that we're not to be afraid that that's not even supposed to be in the equation for us. Let me give you some examples. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is about uh, to send out his disciples two by two. And um, he's training them. He's going to mentor them. And he's giving them advice before he sends them out. 
And there's a whole series of things that he says, and it kind of builds over time. In verse 17, he says, guard yourself. Kind of funny, guarding themselves against flogging. So that seems to be a wise decision that all of them were making. It says, guard yourself. But in verse 19, he ramps it up. He says, I don't want you to worry, which is another form of fear. I don't even want you to worry about this stuff. But then it becomes even more clear. In verse 26, he says, do not be afraid of them. He had just got done talking about how people were going to hate them for what they said. They, they were going to um, want to hurt them for what they said. And he said, don't be afraid of them. And in verse 28, he gives them more advice. Don't be afraid of those who kill the body. Be afraid of the one who can kill the soul. Now we're talking about the possibility of his disciples being killed, and he's telling them, don't be afraid of that. Don't have any fear, right? And in verse 31, it's like this general statement. So don't be afraid. You're worth more than the sparrows. I take care of the sparrows. I know their needs. I'm watching out for them. Why are you concerned about that? I don't want you to have any fear on that at all. So we have Jesus taking a pretty hard stance against fear. Um, we find in Acts chapter 18, Paul records a vision where Jesus comes to Paul and tells him, don't be afraid. Don't be silent. Keep on talking. And so Paul has this in his background too, where it's been communicated with him directly from God. Don't be afraid. You'll find him writing in Philippians 4. Don't be anxious for any reason. Peter in his epistles, John in his epistles, they're all addressing the idea of fear, and they all say, don't do it. Don't have it in your life. Which brings us to maybe the most popular verse on fear. Paul is mentoring a young pastor named Timothy, and he writes him a couple personal letters. In the second one, in the first chapter, he writes this to Timothy. For the Spirit of God, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. How, how many of you have heard this before? For God does not give us a spirit of fear. How many of you have heard it that way instead? Yeah, um, that's what I grew up with. That's in the King James. It's made it into a lot of modern translations, and here's what I was shocked to find out. It's not what it says. It's not in there at all. In fact, here's what I discovered as I started digging into all of this and why this has become confusing for us as followers of Jesus to figure out how to respond to fear. They're all different words. The first word that we talked about with Paul and his, his fearfulness, it was a sense of fear that he had. So he had the emotion of it, but that was it. Um, when Jesus talks about it, when Paul talks about it in negative terms, when Peter and John talk about it in their epistles, their, their fear is this. Don't let this cause you to run, to hide, or to hesitate. Don't, don't fall back from your ability to act just because you feel fear. And that's what we see. That's what we see in Timothy when Paul finally says this to Timothy. He says, do you understand that God did not give you a spirit of timidness? This could have easily been translated cowardice, 
which goes back to that very idea that you would freeze, that you would hold up, that you would be done moving. It says, no, no, you weren't given that spirit. What you were given is power, love, and discipline. Now, when you start to put all of this together, when you start to understand they're talking about it in different ways, this is where the rubber starts to meet the road. Because it's quite possible then for there to be a couple different types of fear, one legitimate, one that's not legitimate. And it becomes our goal to start figuring out what's showing up in our lives. Is this a legitimate fear? Is this based on some sort of thing that it would be wise if I had this or not? Um, I, I think maybe that's the hard one to start with. Maybe you should start with what's motivating it in the first place. Maybe if you could just get honest there. If you could get honest, is this being driven by love? Is this being driven by self-protection? Then maybe, then maybe you have a shot at answering the next question. Is it legitimate or not? Because all of us who hold fears, we would tell you it's a legit fear. Otherwise, we wouldn't spend time with it. But it may require you to have a conversation with a friend and just say, this is the thing that I've been carrying Am I thinking about this right? This is why it's so important for you to spend time in the scriptures to make yourself open to the spirit of God to move you because he will tap on your heart and say, this fear is out of bounds. It's not legitimate. You, you think it makes sense, but it was placed in your life, not by me, but by another force, and you've accepted it, and it's out of bounds. Don't do this. But one of the other ways one of the other ways that you can figure out if the fear that you're holding is of value or not is to kind of run it through this next question. How am I responding to this fear? Um, we're gonna put up a little chart here. The two motivations are operating. If it's a legitimate fear, then you're responding with a level of sacrifice for somebody else. You're giving them support. Maybe you've had to put up boundaries. But love does that. Love paints boundaries. But you're still moving. You're still moving along. If it's an illegitimate fear, what happens is you, you identify your motive as love, but you act with controlling and manipulation. You're addictive. You're dependent on something. You have conditional love for the people in your life. None of those things would God say are going to lead to positive relationships between you and others and you and God. They're harmful. And if that's what you're saying, listen, I'm, I am acting, but that's what's coming out of your life based on a fear that you hold, something's wrong. It's either got an illegitimate twist to it, there's something unfounded in it, or you've gone to a place where your actions are being controlled you're being enslaved by a fear that's requiring you to act in ways that are against what God has desired for your life. Now, all self-protection is not wrong. It's wise to grab his ankles and drag him back so there could be wise action. It would cause you to understand what's happening. You still honor God, right? Versus fleeing, freezing, or being flooded with emotion. You're just overwhelmed by it. Again, you can see this in Paul's responses. Paul had a love for the church. What did he do? He wrote letters. 
He had all of these things in his life that were legitimate fears, self-protection fears. What did he do? Did he put himself in a room and never leave because it was the safest place for him to be? No, he still chose to go out and honor God. And if he had to face that, he would. He wasn't going to let that take him off track. But it didn't shape his life. His actions, in spite of fear, were what he was learning and living by. I would say um, I needed that lesson. In the last five years of my life, I would say I've experienced more fear and deeper fear than in the, any of the years before that. I think, uh, for me, some of the categories of what, what you could fear have changed. Never thought this, something could happen before, and then I've seen it. A lot of experience have, have put like fear in my heart. Because I think it's possible, that could happen. That could, that could go down. And it's been, a, it's been a whole bunch of stuff across the board. It could be as simple as, um, we had really dear friends of ours who, who went right up to the line on divorce. And it was shocking for us. Because, I mean, we're close with them. And nothing was mentioned until they were right on the line and things were almost broken and almost done. And Tracy and I found ourselves looking at each other going, could this happen to us? I mean, we know them. We love them. We know they love Jesus, and here they are. I, I, I don't know what it is, but I can tell you in the last five years, there have been whole days where I have walked around with a hole in my gut that felt like a weight, and I knew it was fear. And the problem is, in that time, I had a hard time finding a way to remove it. And because I wasn't removing it, it, it started to have some negative effects. Those, those bad side of the column showing up in my life. Easier to be controlling when that's happening. Eas easier to just want to quit, right? Easier to fear on all kinds of places of my life. Stuff with my family, stuff with my friends, stuff at work, just showed up. And I made this mistake. I thought that in order to honor God, I had to get rid of the fear completely. And because I couldn't seem to do that, I was failing. And on top of the sense of this fear, I had the sense of failure that I couldn't get it right. And what I didn't understand was that Sometimes in my life, there will be a fear in my gut that sits there, and I'm just going to act anyway. See, we've thought that maybe the whole point of this is to remove the fear, but what if it's not? What if the whole point of this is to understand where that fear came from in the first place, so that you can understand if it's healthy or not healthy for you to have? What if the goal isn't to remove the fear, but it's to face it? It's to look it dead in the eye and say, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm not gonna jump through hoops that you demand. What if it's not to remove the fear, but it's to face it and instead respond with power, love, and self-discipline, where you put boundaries in place and you still act? 
What if the goal isn't to get rid of fear because you couldn't if you want to because you can't control when the emotion comes into your life. It's just an emotion. And instead of trying to live based on not having that, you decide to live to honor God despite it. It doesn't control you. It doesn't run your life. And in fact, I think if you'll go back and you'll look at the scriptures that Jesus talked about, that Paul talked about, you'll find over and over that what they were hoping the followers of Jesus would do was it in light of a fear that they came into that they would still act, that they would be courageous. If I asked you how you were doing with fear this morning, you, yourself, and I, and I asked it kind of like they asked Kate, are you okay? Would you say no? I'm not okay? Maybe it's time to figure out where that fear came from that you're holding. Maybe it's time to figure out if it's a vigilant fear or if it's unfounded. Maybe it's time to figure out what the motivation is. Maybe it's time to be really honest about the outcomes that you've had in face of that fear. Because this is who you were made to be. You were made to carry the spirit of God who would give you power, love, and self-discipline. That's who you are. And when fear takes you away from that, you're missing out on living the life that God intended for you to live. So maybe this morning it's time. Are you okay? It's time to do something about it. Let me pray for you. God, uh, fear is a really sneaky thing. There are, there are legitimate things that we fear. And yet sometimes it uses the legitimate things in our lives to get us to respond in unhelpful ways. Sometimes the fear is just flat out unfounded. It's been placed in our life by somebody who delivered some words to us and now we have this fear that this is gonna happen in our relationship or fear that this is gonna happen at our work or fear that, and it's, it's not based on anything other than a flood of emotions. God, um, the fear that we run into sometimes has a way of enslaving us, makes us jump through hoops that hold us in place, stall us, and you had in mind something else. You had in mind that we would live with power, with love, with self-discipline. So God, I ask that you would give us the courage to face the stuff that rolls into our life and instead of wilting from it, to look it in the face and say, I know you're here, but I don't care. I'm gonna do what's right. I'm gonna do what honors God. My response is gonna be healthy it's gonna honor God by the people I touch and what people see. God, fear may be a liar, but it also reveals the truth. So as we find the truth about what, what's going on in our heart, I ask that we would respond to you in a way that gets us moving again, loving and honoring you. We ask for that in Jesus' name, amen.